This message was presented at the GYC 2011 conference. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Okay, uh, good morning everyone. Uh, have you guys been blessed so far? Amen, amen. Um, well, this is uh, going to conclude our um, your, your seminars for those of you who have been with me for um, the previous two. This will be the final one, uh, final presentation, um, ending at 12 o'clock. Uh, so I have two presentations actually between now and 12. Um, and uh, my goal in these presentations is to encourage you that the latter rain is uh, it's, it's in our grasp. Uh, we, we are the generation that can see Jesus come again. I believe that uh, with all my heart. You sound so excited and thrilled. Um, <clears throat> I know that reverse, you know, silent thing. This is how excited I am. I'm just going to be silent. <laughs> but um, I know that, I know that uh, you guys really want to see Jesus come. Amen? Amen. And uh, we know that in order to see Jesus come... We have to be prepared to receive that latter rain. And so we're going to be discussing what it means for, the, for you as an individual and uh, um, as a church, how we, what we need to do to uh, receive that latter rain and what the latter rain looks like, what the latter rain looks like. In fact, this message I'm going to uh, hopefully give you a demonstration of what the latter rain looks like and how you can know when it is falling. So... <clears throat> um, let's uh, open up with a word of prayer, and then we will jump in. Heavenly Father, uh, we come before you once again thanking you, Lord, for your mercy, your goodness, and your grace. And Lord, we're asking in a very special way that you would speak to us today, Lord. Um, Father, show us your glory. Help us to understand what it means to receive the latter rain. We thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do. Set our hearts on fire. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like for you to open to the book of John. Chapter 16. John chapter 16. In verse 13, and by the way, if you're taking notes today, you're really going to want to take notes because today we are going to be flying through the scriptures, okay? So um, if you're taking notes, be prepared. And uh, I'll just mention this as well. If after this message you want my notes, just uh, come to me. Uh, maybe that's not a good idea. Uh, I'm on Facebook, so you can either Facebook me, you could email me if you happen to have my email address, so if you don't, you can go down to our booth, Power of the Lamb, or the Army booth, and uh, you can get my contact information there, and I will email these notes to you, or any of my other notes that you've, you may have heard that you would like to get a copy of, Okay. By the way, I believe that uh, you know this is the stuff that I share is not uh, copyrighted. 
you know, this is God's word, amen? amen. And, um, and so, you know, some of you have come up to me and said, Pastor, I, I, I've preached your message and I hope you don't mind. And, you know, I'm like, it's not my message. It's God's message. So, amen. Anyway, so, um, <clears throat> John chapter 16, verse 13. John chapter 16, verse 13. The Bible says here, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come... And so, who is that spirit of truth? It is the Holy Spirit, amen? So, when he comes. Now, we know that he came back in the days of Pentecost, but we know that the latter rain, we're looking for him to do what? Come again, right? In mighty power. So, when he comes, um, <clears throat> how be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come? He will do what? guide you into all truth. So one of the evidences of the latter rain falling is that God's people will be guided into what? Into truth. Now, what is the truth? Jesus is the truth. I didn't ask who intentionally because the answer would have been easy. But Jesus is the truth. Amen? And so the Holy Spirit... When it comes, we can know that one of the signs of the latter rain is that when the latter rain falls, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide God's ministers into all truth. Amen? No. I just said, uh, God's people. God's people, stay sharp. (laughs) He will guide... God's people, not just the ministers, but God's people, which says to me that uh, one day soon I hope to be, you know, coming to one of you and going, wow, how did you get that? Okay. (laughs) The Holy Spirit will be guiding God's people into all truth. And the truth is Jesus. It goes on to say, um, verse 14, and he shall do what? Glorify me. So one of the, 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 the snapshots, if you will, of the latter rain falling is God's people being guided into the truth, which is the word of God, But that truth is to be centered in who? In Jesus. In other words, what I'm saying to you is that one of the signs of the latter rain being poured out is a revival of Bible study. But not just any kind of Bible study. I believe Bible study that points us to Jesus. Deuteronomy 32 Deuteronomy chapter 32, beginning with verse, or rather, verse 2. Deuteronomy 32, verse 2. Notice what the Bible says here. Deuteronomy 32, verse 2. The Bible says, My doctrine shall drop as what? The rain. My speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. So I want you to get the, get the picture here. God is speaking. He says, my doctrine will drop as what? 
as the rain. So, once again, we see that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is when God's doctrine drops as rain. Drops as rain on what? On what? On the grass. Right? So what's the grass? There's a blade, there's a blade, there's a blade, there's a blade. Everybody gets some. Right? The Holy Spirit will be revealed by the fact that all over the world, God's people will be getting fresh revelations of Jesus Christ. You with me so far? Hosea chapter 6, verse 3. Hosea chapter 6, verse 3. Hosea chapter 6, verse 3. The Bible says here, Then shall we know, if we follow on to know the Lord, His going forth is prepared as the morning, and He shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter rain, and the former rain unto the earth. What do you see about that verse? He comes unto us. So let's put this together. The Holy Spirit, when he comes, he's going to guide God's people into all truth. Deuteronomy 32 says that God's doctrine shall drop as rain. And then we're told in Hosea that Jesus himself will come unto us as the rain. Like he is the rain. Which means that each one of us who are connected with Christ, who are following the guidance of the Holy Spirit, are going to receive fresh revelations of Jesus Christ. Now, can you imagine, um, you know, seven million Doug Bachelors? I mean, you fill in the blank, you fill in the name, whatever, whoever's your favorite preacher, just imagine that preacher multiplied by millions. And you could easily see how the work on this earth would be wrapped up. But I want to suggest that the reason why the work on this earth is not wrapped up is because many of God's people um, do not really know the scriptures for themselves. And, and are not really seeing Jesus in the scriptures as they should. Signs of the Times, April 18th, 1900, Ellen White, Ellen White writes this, God designs that the message of redemption shall come to his people as the latter rain, for they are fast losing their connection with God. They are trusting in men and glorifying men, and their strength is proportionate to the strength of their dependence. We are to know more than we know at the present time. We are to comprehend the deep things of God. There are themes to be dwelt upon which are worthy of more than, than a passing notice. You know that's how we read the scriptures? Passing notice. We uh, you know, skip over great portions of scripture and we look for the things that just kind of jump out at us. And I believe when the latter rain falls, one of the signs that the latter rain is falling is that those 
unfamiliar texts and unfamiliar stories will suddenly begin to jump out at God's people all over. It'll be like God is raining upon the book. And suddenly things are flourishing out of that book, things we hadn't seen before. It'll be an evidence that God is moving upon his people, that his doctrine is falling like rain. Are you with me? As we search the scriptures, the character of Christ will appear in its infinite perfection. I like that. When we search the scriptures, we should try to find Christ everywhere. When we begin to find Christ everywhere in the scriptures, it's a sign that the Spirit of God is falling upon his people. Amen? In fact, you remember the early rain? How did the early rain begin? What was the, what was the event that kicked off um, the day of Pentecost? Before prayer. There were two disciples, they were walking to Emmaus. You remember that story? And as they're walking, they, um, they're, they're discouraged And Jesus, the Bible says, draws near. He comes. And he's like, why are you so discouraged? What's the matter? Why are you so down? And um, they begin to tell him. And and then the Bible says, what does he do? He begins to open up the scriptures. And the Bible says from, from Moses onward, he expounded in those things that related to who? Himself. <clears throat> and as they're walking, you know what happens. The disciples, you know, he's about to leave and then uh, they say, come, come, you know, uh, 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 stay with us, uh, eat with us. And, and they didn't know that they were already eating. <laughs> and so as, as uh, Jesus breaks bread, the Bible says when he broke bread, their eyes were open and they knew that it was him. And then he disappears. And then they said, did not our heart Burn. Heartburn. <laughs> heartburn. <laughs> when do you get heartburn? After you eat. <laughs> Might I suggest to you that God wants to give us heartburn? <laughs> Hearts set on fire as we see Christ in the scriptures. So, what I would like to do today is I'd like to give you a demonstration, if you will, of Christ in the scriptures. We're going to take a look at a passage, a book that you all love. It's the, well, I'll save the the book for a moment, but let's go to the book of Revelation chapter 14, and then I'll tell you the title of the message. In fact, I'll just tell you the title of the message now. It's called The Son of Man. Son of Man. Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14, verse 14. The Bible says here, And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the, what everyone? Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. Who is the Son of Man? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. 
Um, when, you, when you read the Bible, you should ask God to rain upon that book that you're reading. Rain upon this verse, Lord, because I want to see Jesus in the verse. I want to see Jesus in the book. And the more we see Jesus in the book is the more we ourselves become changed. Amen? We become like him. That's the purpose of the Bible. As we behold Jesus, as we make him the great center of attraction, Ellen White tells us that our every page that is illuminated by the Spirit of God will reveal Christ in it. Can you imagine that? Christ in every page of the Bible? Are you serious? Really? Like how many of you thought you would have seen Christ in the parable of the Good Samaritan yesterday? Yet there he was for those of you who are here yesterday. Christ, in every page of the scripture. So here we have Revelation 14 speaking about the Son of Man. Now, let me ask you a question. Um, is there anyone else in the Bible called the Son of Man? Who? Ezekiel. Adam. Daniel. And I believe Isaiah. The interesting thing, though, is that Daniel is called the Son of Man, I believe, once or twice. Um, or, yeah, son of man once or twice. Adam is called, I'm sorry, um, not Adam. Uh, uh, Isaiah is called the son of man, I believe, once or twice. But Ezekiel is called the son of man 93 times. 93 times Ezekiel is called the son of man. That's interesting. You want to know something even more interesting? Jesus is called the Son of Man. Ninety-three. Times. <clears throat> there, there must be something there. Something that God wants us to see. So we're going to take a look at the book of Ezekiel, your favorite book. <laughs> Let's go to the book of Ezekiel. We're going to start with Ezekiel chapter 1. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through the entire book of Ezekiel. Don't pass out. <laughs> don't faint, don't faint. We're going to go through the entire book of Ezekiel. And what we're going to see is an amazing parallel. What we're going to see is what happens when God reigns upon a book. What happens when we ask God to show us Christ? We're going to find Christ in the entire book of Ezekiel. Are you ready? Are you ready to eat? Are you ready for some heartburn? I want you to watch. Let's begin with Ezekiel chapter 1. Now, who can tell me what Ezekiel chapter 1 is all about? In Ezekiel chapter 1, <clears throat> Ezekiel beholds 
for the first time, the glory of God. Right? Look with me in verse 19. Verse 19, the Bible says, And when the living creatures went, the wheels went by them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Whithersoever the Spirit was to go, they went with, and they went, thither was their Spirit to go. And the wheels were lifted up over against them, for the Spirit of the living creature was in them, was in the wheels. So what we have here is Ezekiel is seeing this vision where there are, are these angels or creatures in heaven, and they're moving wherever the Spirit goes. Right? Now go with me to verse 26. Verse 26, and the Bible says, And above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire stone. And upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness uh, as the appearance of a man above upon the throne. And as I saw the color of amber um, and the appearance of fire round about it, from the appearance of his loins, even upward, from the appearance of his loins, even downward, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire, and it had brightness round about it. As the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness of it. This was the appearance of the lightness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face, and I heard a voice of one that spake unto me. So, who is Ezekiel seeing here? He's seeing Jesus. Please notice. Ezekiel chapter 1. Ezekiel is introduced to Jesus. He sees Jesus. And he sees angels moving wherever the Spirit was to go. You know what's interesting? The very first event we are introduced to in Jesus is the beholding. In fact, John 1.14 says, We beheld his what? Glory as the only begotten of the Father. In fact, when Jesus was born, you remember something was hovering right over him. But we are told from the spirit of prophecy that it, that star was really a band of Interesting. Ezekiel 1, the glory of God is seen. Just as the first incident, or the first introduction to Christ is, is God manifest in the flesh as a little baby. Interesting. Okay, okay. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 2. Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 1. And he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me, and set me upon my feet, that I heard him that spake unto me. And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me, even unto this very day. So in Ezekiel chapter 2, we have a couple of things happening. <clears throat> Ezekiel is about to be commissioned to go speak to rebellious Israel. But before he is commissioned, the Spirit enters into him. Is anybody's heart hurting right about now? Burning? <laughs> in the very same way we have Jesus in the New Testament, he is about to be commissioned to go speak to the rebellious 
house of Israel, but before he goes, he is baptized and the Spirit of God. It gets better. <clears throat> I want you to notice with me, verse 9. Verse 9, by the way, I, I, uh, in, in my notes here, I have verses that correspond with, I mean, I have like tons of verses, so I'm not going to read these verses that correspond, many of them. I'm just going to give you the story and you should be able to pick it up. If you want my notes, all the, everything's in here, okay? So, Ezekiel law, chapter 2, verse 9. And when I looked, behold, a hand was sent to me, and lo, a roll of a book was therein. And he spread it before me, and it was written within and without. And there was written therein lamentations and mournings and woe. So, before Ezekiel is commissioned to go and speak, or, or as he's being commissioned, one of the next things that happened to him is that he's handed a scroll. <laughs> yes, a scroll. Just as Jesus, as he enters upon his mission, he is handed a scroll. Son of man, son of man. Um, let's go, let's go to um, Ezekiel chapter 3. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 17. Son of man, I've made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning. Or rather, Hear the word of my mouth and give them warning from me. Ezekiel is here set as a watchman, just as Christ was set as a watchman. But jump down with me to verse 25. It says, But thou, O son of man, behold, here's what's going to happen to you. They shall put bands upon thee and shall bind thee with them, and thou shalt not go out among them, and I will make thy tongue cleave to the roof of thy mouth, that thou shalt be dumb and shalt not be a reprover to them, for they are a, rebe are a rebellious people. So Ezekiel was told that he would be bound and he would be silent. Son of man. Son of man. What happened to Jesus? He was bound. And the Bible says he opened not his mouth. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 4. Ezekiel chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Thou also, son of man, take thee a tithe and lay it before thee, and portray upon it the city, even Jerusalem, <clears throat> and lay siege against it, and build a fort against it, and cast a mount against it, set the camp also against it, and set battering rams round about it. Moreover, take unto thee an iron pan, and set it for a wall of iron between thee and the city, and set thy face against it. It shall be besieged, and thou shalt lay siege against it. This shall be a sign to the house of Israel. What's happening here is God is telling Ezekiel, the son of man, tell Israel that because of their abominations, they will be besieged. Is anybody thinking with me? What did Jesus warn would happen to Israel as a result of their abominations? In fact, in fact, from Ezekiel chapter 4 to Ezekiel chapter 9, it is all about Ezekiel looking at the abominations that are being done in the house of God. 
Go with me to Ezekiel chapter 8. Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 16. Ezekiel 8, verse 16, the Bible says, And he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house, and behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about five and twenty men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord, and their faces toward the east, and they worshipped the sun toward the east. Then he said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Is it a lightning to the house of Judah that they commit the abominations which they commit here? So what's happening here? Ezekiel 4 through 9 is speaking about how the leaders of Israel are committing abominations. Now go with me to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21. Verse 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God and did what? Cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Are you seeing the parallels? So far, Ezekiel 1 through 9 seem to be giving us the story of Jesus Christ. What? The Gospels being explained in the book of Ezekiel? <laughs> well, that was a passage that I just thought I should pass over because that book is unimportant because, you know, nobody really reads it. Okay, Matthew 23. Notice what else here. Matthew 23. Anyone know what Matthew 23 is all about? The entire chapter is about Jesus speaking woes unto the Pharisees. Just like Ezekiel chapter 4 through 9, all the abominations being done in the house of God, Matthew 23, Jesus begins to describe all the abominations that are being carried out by the Pharisees. Hold your place in Matthew 23. Come back with me to Ezekiel. We're now in Ezekiel chapter 10. Ezekiel chapter 10. Right, so Ezekiel 9 is about all the abominations. And now we get to Ezekiel 10. And guess what we find in Ezekiel 10 verse 15. Ezekiel 10 verse 15. I may as well just go ahead and get excited for you. Because in Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 15, look at what happens. And the cherubims were lifted up. This is the living creature that I saw by the river of Cheber. And when the cherubims went, the wheels went by them. And when the cherubims lifted up their wings to mount up from the earth, the wheels also turned not from beside them. And when they stood, these stood. And when they were lifted up, these were lifted up also with them. For the spirit of the living creature was in them. Then the, notice verse 18. Then the glory of the Lord departed from off the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubim. The glory of the Lord leaves the temple for the last time. Now, go back with me to Matthew 23. We're talking about the latter rain here. 
We're talking about what happens when God begins to enlighten your eyes to see Jesus in every portion of the scripture. Remember, Ezekiel's 4 through 9, the abominations being done, and then Ezekiel 10, the glory of God leaves the temple desolate. Watch this, Matthew 23. Matthew 23, God, Jesus is talking about all the hypocrisy of the scribes and the Pharisees, everything that's being done by them. And now notice verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stoned them which were sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chicks under her wings, and ye would not behold. <laughs> behold. Your house is left unto you, how? Desolate. Are you seeing the parallel? It gets better. Go with me to Ezekiel chapter 11. Ezekiel chapter 11. We're just going to be flipping back and forth, so just hold your place here. Ezekiel chapter 11. And by the way, we are coming to a very, very strong conclusion because I'm going to show you through the book of Ezekiel where we are right now in earth's history. So we're going somewhere with this. Ezekiel chapter 11. In Ezekiel chapter 11, uh, we're not going to read this whole chapter, but I'll simply tell you what chapter 11 is about. In Ezekiel chapter 11, uh, the, the leaders of Israel conspire. The leaders of Israel conspire to do evil. Wow. That's interesting. Because we find that as Jesus is finishing his work, the leaders of Israel begin to what? Conspire. Very, very interesting here. Go with me now to chapter, we're in chapter 11. Notice with me verses 13 and onward. Chapter 11, Ezekiel 11. Ezekiel 11 verse 13. Okay, from verse 13 onward. Um, it says here, it came to pass when I prophesied that Pelatiah, the son of Benaniah, died. Then I fell down upon my face and cried with a loud voice and said, Ah, Lord God, will thou make a full end of the remnant of Israel? And then God goes on to say, No, a remnant will be left despite Israel's rebellion. Just as we know that as Jesus is wrapping up his ministry, though Israel will fall, there will be a remnant. Chapter 11, verse 22. Chapter 11, verse 22. Then did the cherubims lift up their wings and the wheels beside them. And the glory of God of Israel was over them. And the glory of God went up from the midst of the city, of the city and stood upon the mountain which is on the east side of the city. <clears throat> Chapter 11, 
on the east side of the glory of God. First it left the temple, now it leaves the city. You remember in Matthew 23, Jesus says, your house is left unto you desolate. Now in Matthew 24, so 24 comes after 23, right? Notice Matthew 24, verse 1. Matthew 24. (laughs) Matthew 24, verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came came to him for to show him the building of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be one stone left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now notice verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, Do you know where that is? Outside the city. His disciples came unto, the, unto him privately saying, Tell us what shall be, when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of the coming of the end of the world. Listen to what Ellen White says on this in the book Desire of Ages, page 829. The holy Shekinah, in departing from the first temple, had stood upon the eastern mountain as if loath to forsake to the forsake loath to forsake the chosen city. So Christ stood upon Olivet with yearning heart overlooking Jerusalem. Desire of Ages, page 829. She goes on to say, the groves and and, uh, glens of the mountains had been consecrated by his prayers and tears. Its steeps had echoed the, the the triumphant shouts of the multitude that proclaimed him king. On its slopes, descents, he had found a home with Lazarus, Lazarus at Bethany in the Garden of Gethsemane. At its foot, he had prayed and agonized alone. So you know what this is telling us here? Just as the glory of God departed from the city, so Jesus departed from the city, so Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and we know that that ultimately that scenario ends up with Jesus being what? Crucified. What? In the book of Ezekiel? Okay. I have 20 minutes left. We're on chapter what? <laughs> 11. All right. We're, we are going to... Uh, I'm not going to pick up the speed here. All right. So, let me do it like this. I'm just going to tell it to you, okay? So, so, from chapters 12 to 14, chapters 12 to 14 of Ezekiel speak about Israel's exile. Israel's exile. Just as we know that Jesus had spoken about the destruction of Israel by the Romans. In fact, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, uh, Ezekiel is told, get all the stuff of Israel and remove it. Just remove it piece by piece because they're going to have nothing left. Just as Jesus said, there shall not be what? One stone left upon another. In Ezekiel chapter 13, verses 10 through 15, there is talk about a wall being broken down. (laughs) Come on, somebody help me. A wall being broken down. What will be the result of Jesus' death? The veil or the wall of separation between Jew and Gentile being what? Broken down. 
In chapter 15, Jerusalem of Ezekiel, uh, in chapter 15 of Ezekiel, Jerusalem is described as a worthless vine. Just as Jesus said of the fig tree, let no fruit grow on this tree from henceforth. Chapter 16, God's love for Jerusalem is described how he sought to win them over just as Jesus describes Israel as himself as a mother hen that was trying to gather her chicks. In chapter 17, Judah is described as a tree that will be cut down, cut down, and another tree will replace it. Somebody help me? (laughs) The who? The Gentiles will replace Israel. From chapters 18 to 21, further judgments and lamentations on Israel, just as, remember this, just as after Christ's death, Israel had three and a half years to repent and they did not, and the gospel was taken from them and given to the Gentiles. Well, Ezekiel 21 takes us halfway through the book of Ezekiel. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. Halfway through the book of Ezekiel. Guess what begins to happen from Ezekiel 22 onward? All of a sudden now, the, 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 the focus on Israel and its punishments now shift from 22 onward. You start hearing about the punishment of Gentile nations. Come on. <laughs> what? Are you serious? Ezekiel 22, all the way to 29, you find the judgment of the Ammonites and Moab and Edom and Tyrus and all these Gentile nations. And then, get this, so what we're seeing here is, look, from Ezekiel 1 all the way to 29, really take us from the beginning of the gospel all the way up to Gentile times. Are you with me so far? Now watch this. In Ezekiel 29, in Ezekiel 29, from Ezekiel 29 to 32, watch this, it talks about how, how Egypt will fall to Babylon. Okay, now, I'm just going to ask by a show of hands. How many of you get the significance of that? That Egypt will fall to Babylon. In the book of Daniel, there are two kings that are described. In the book of Daniel chapter 11, they are the king of the south and the king of the north. So watch this. Daniel 11 tells us that just around the end of time, in particular, when around uh, the late 1700s, hundreds that the king of the uh, north or the king of the south in other words after the 1700s rather that the king of the south Egypt representing what who can tell me what Egypt represents in the Bible represented what atheism and a denial of God right while Babylon represents what power everyone come on false religion and for the false church And it tells us that eventually the king of the south, Egypt, would fall to the king of the north, Babylon. 
We're talking about end time events. Okay. <laughs> From Ezekiel 1, it begins with the coming of Christ into this world. The parallel, it takes us all the way through Christ's ministry and his death, burial, and resurrection, and then a transition to judgments on the Gentile nations, which is the gospel age, and then Ezekiel 29 brings us right up to prophecy. The king of the north and the king of the south. Watch this. Ezekiel 33. In Ezekiel 33, Ezekiel is again set as a watchman on the wall. Can I ask you something? I mean, if your heart is not burning right now, (laughs) check your pulse. (laughs) Make sure it's beating. (laughs) In Ezekiel 33, Ezekiel, the son of man, is once again set as a watchman on the wall to warn of coming judgments. The th- <laughs> Beloved, Ezekiel 33 onward is, is a description of last day events. Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34, just, just go to verse 26 with me. Ezekiel 34, verse 26. And I will make them and the places round about my hill a blessing. I will cause the shower to come. I will cause the shower to come down in his season there shall be thought I was making this stuff up huh (laughs) think with me Jesus comes to this earth I set, you as a committee, I set you as a watchman. He's baptized. The Spirit enters him. He begins to preach to Israel, a house that is rebellious. He shows them the abominations. He then leaves the temple. This is, this is you are reading the gospel according to Ezekiel. The gospel, beloved, Jesus Christ is all over the scriptures. And when the latter rain begins to fall, you too will be finding. You'll be calling, hey, Pastor Myers, you'll never believe what I found. <laughs> the Spirit of God falling, one of the greatest evidences is that Christ will begin, to be, will, be, will begin to be seen all over the Scriptures in places that we didn't know that he was. So now you have this judgment against the Gentile nations. Then this talk about the king of the south falling to the king of the north. And then, and then Ezekiel is being commissioned again as a watchman to warn of impending doom and judgment. And then God says, and I'm going to send rain. Okay, now watch this. Because it gets better. In 35, Ezekiel 35 is a judgment upon the Edomites. Anyone know who the Edomites are? 
They were Esau's descendants. Now, Esau was known for his hatred against Jacob. He caused Jacob some serious trouble. In fact, it's known as Jacob's time of trouble. I'm just going to leave the room now. Some of you are still like, okay. <laughs> Ezekiel commissioned as a watchman again. Three angels' messages. Chapter 34, I'm going to pour out rain. Chapter 35, time of trouble. Those who attack my people, those who launch my people into a time of trouble, don't worry, they will be judged. They will be judged. Chapter 36 is a promise to the faithful. I want you to notice this. 36, beginning with verse 33. Chapter 36, beginning with verse 33. The Bible says here, Thus saith the Lord God, In the day that I shall have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will call... Ah! Ah! Sanctuary, anyone? <laughs> Day of atonement, when I cleanse you from all your sins, when the high priest leaves the temple and all sins have been removed from his people, come on. You have made me mad in here. <laughs> now, come on, who ever thought? Come on, when's the last time you read the book of Ezekiel? It was like, wow. You know, no, the book just seems to be a book of, you know, that's one for, I don't know what that ended up doing. It's something about a temple or something, but you know, that's all. No, beloved, the gospel is there. And if our eyes, if we would only ask God to baptize our eyes, that we would behold wondrous things out of his book. So, 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 wait. Now, now, watch this. Don't look, don't look. Stop. Look up at me, please. <laughs> now, question. After God cleanses his people from all their sins, the high priest has left the sanctuary, what is the next event to happen? Christ comes again, and when he comes again, what is he going to do? What is he going to do? What happens? What big event happens when Christ comes again? Resurrection? Did you just say resurrection? So what happens at this resurrection? Like, what happens? Dead? Bones? Go out that door right there. I'm leaving now. Goodbye. <laughs> Dead bones, really? Well, I wonder if we can find dead bones anywhere in the book of Ezekiel. Let's see. Oh, look at this. Why Ezekiel 37 is about the valley of dry. Ah, this food is spicy. (laughs) 
You see, beloved, there's an interesting transition here in Ezekiel 37 because before, before the literal resurrection, there must be a spiritual resurrection. Are you with me? God, the Bible says, you know, God calls his army up, but, but what is the final thing? You know the story. First he says to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And he's like, man, I don't know, the church looks pretty dead. <laughs> and then he says, prophesy. And Ezekiel prophesies, and bone comes to be- together to bone. So what happens is that there is a uniting among the people of God. Okay, but, but, before the, the, that, that army, that great army can come to life and live, Ezekiel is told to prophesy to the winds. Spirit of God. Prophesy to the winds. And when the winds come, they come and the army becomes a living army. That's what God is in need of right now, a living army. We are right there. We are in Ezekiel 33, 34, 35, 36, 37. God is waiting for the breath of God to come and enter into his people that we will become a living army. I want to read to you what Ellen White says about this class. This class, talking about the, those in the, dry bone, in the valleys of dry bones, this class is well represented by the, by the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel. Those who have committed to... Uh, who have had committed to them the treasures of truth and yet who are dead in trespasses and sins need to be created anew in Christ Jesus. There is so little real vitality in the church at the present time that it takes constant labor to give men the appearance of life to the professed people of God. When the converting power of God comes upon the people, it will be made manifest by activity. They will become workers and will esteem the reproach of Christ greater than the riches, greater riches than the treasures of this world. They will have respect unto the crown of life, the the immortal inheritance. And now listen to this. They will not be dependent upon their ministers for their life and expectancy. They will say... I'm not going to depend upon Pastor Myers to feed me. Audio verse is great. <laughs> but I need to start eating for myself. I need to stop just opening my mouth and saying, God, feed me. You know, and I need to start digging for myself. You, know you know how rich it is when you dig for something yourself? You know, if I'd heard this, this Ezekiel thing from somebody else, man, it would be great. But the fact that I, I dug for this, my, that's why I'm like, you know, I don't care about you. I'll just get excited up here all by myself. And y'all could be like, mm-hmm, and I'll be like, <laughs> why? Because I found it myself. And it wasn't myself that found it. It was God's spirit speaking to me. And I, because of that, I'm like, okay, God, I know we've got a connection because I could not have found something like this by myself. It had to be the Spirit of God. And beloved, when you begin to search the Scriptures and find these things, and they are all over, it is evidence that the Spirit of God is falling, not upon an individual here or there, but upon God's church. Let me tell you something. Do you know that when God called Israel out as a people, you know what they did? In Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 8, the people uh, after, you know, these victories were being won under, under, under Samuel, the people then said, hey, Samuel, we want a king. 
We want a king. And God was like, okay, Samuel, and asking for a king, they haven't rejected you, they've rejected me. And then begins this long history of kings and kings and kings and the kingdom being divided, all because Israel needed to look to a man. And I was thinking this morning, it's like, wow, are we doing the same today? We want, we want a preacher. Give us preachers, Lord. We, need, we can't do this on our own. We need preachers. So give us this one and give us that one. And, and what happens is that we become dependent upon men. According to this, according to what Ellen White says, when the latter rain falls, God's people will no longer go, you know, be dependent upon someone else to feed them. They will be finding these precious gems themselves and will be able to share. And beloved, when we have an educated membership, educated by the Spirit of God, you will have your 17 million Doug Bachelors. <laughs> Are you with me? All right, all right, so, 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 watch this now. Uh, spiritual resurrections, Valley of Dry Bones, right? Literal resurrection. Okay, now, after the Valley of Dry Bones and after resurrection, uh, we've got, ooh, we've got one minute and 19 seconds left. But we are going to just take a little bit of extra time, hopefully you don't mind, um, because we, we really want to wrap this up, because this is, ooh, ooh. So, Ezekiel 37 is the valley of dry bones. Resurrection, right? And after resurrection, what happens? Jesus comes. He takes his people to heaven. They're in heaven for how long? A thousand years. And then what happens? He comes back down to this earth. And then you have a battle happening. What battle is that? Don't look at your Bibles. What battle is that? The battle of or the final battle, the ending battle, I should say, of Armageddon. But who are the participants in that battle? Two nations. Gog and Magog. Do you know? Okay, let's see. If you, someone take a wild, this is probably wild. Take a wild guess about what Ezekiel 38 and 39 are about. If you have sub subheadings in your Bible, just look at the subheading for Ezekiel 38. <laughs> Gog and Magog. Do you think this is coincidence? You thought there was no rhythm or rhyme to the book of Ezekiel. <laughs> It was just a bunch of chapters thrown together with just pure confusion. <laughs> right? And there were just selected verses that you would read in there. Oh, that's an, I like that verse. <laughs> there is rhythm and rhyme to the book. And if there's rhythm and rhyme to this book, how many other books that we have skipped over? How many other precious gems 
have we let go by the wayside, being lazy in our Bible study? Lord, reign on this book. Let me behold wondrous things out of this book. All right, so after Gog and Magog are destroyed, don't look at your Bibles. After Gog and Magog are destroyed, what happens next? The new Jerusalem. The earth made new. Now, now. Just not sure how to do this. Let me just wallow in the moment for a second, okay? <laughs> so, anyone take a wild guess? There are only eight more chapters in the book of Ezekiel, from Ezekiel chapter 40 to Ezekiel chapter 48. Do you know what those eight chapters are all about? Ezekiel's vision of the new Jerusalem, the temple. The great controversy according to the book of Ezekiel? What? 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 Heartburn. Heartburn. Beloved, yesterday we spent time on, on the, the practical uh, uh, things with the Spirit of God. How the Spirit of God is going to take us through trial and prepare us for the end of time. And today, today we're spending time, including our next message coming up, we're looking at how God is going to manifest himself as the latter rain, how he's going to enlighten his people, how he's going to give them a heartburn, how he's going to create in them this desire to see the Word of God in a way that they have never seen it before. And I pray... I pray that as you have gone through the book of Ezekiel today, you will, you, your desire will be, Lord, help me to see Jesus in all the scriptures. When the Spirit of God comes upon us, the, the job of the Spirit of God is to glorify Jesus and he will do it when you open the word of God he will show you Jesus in Genesis he will show you Jesus in Exodus he will show you Jesus in Ruth he will show you Jesus in Chronicles he will show you Jesus everywhere and beloved when you are equipped with Jesus everywhere and you go forward to share the three angels messages in a Christ centered Jesus centered way oh my watch out God's people that are out there in those fallen churches will not be able to resist the beauty of the gospel. Amen. What a meal. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, give us heartburn. Baptize our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. Show us Christ in every portion of the scripture that by beholding we may become changed. Grant us the spirit whose mission it is to glorify Jesus. And may your doctrine fall upon us as the rain.
the early rain and the latter rain. Thank you for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.